Hi, this is Erica Potter. And this is Hunter Willis. And this is Hot Girl Briefing. Hey, Erica. Hey, Hunter. What are we going to be talking about today on today's episode of Hot Girl Briefing? We are talking about the Shanghai Cooperation Organization, which Hunter just had to bring it all back for us. Mr. China lover himself had to bring it back, you know, super interesting, but I mean, like it, like, it's a really big thing. And like, it's just not being like talked about as much like in the media, just because I mean, like there's so many other things going on right now, like protests in Iran, the UNGA was this week, obviously like Ukraine is like just a giant topic that's always going on these days. So it's like, you know, I understand kind of like why it was drowned out, but like it was a really big, like important meeting. And it's just kind of setting up that like the new kind of like world stage is like heading over kind of like from the Middle East into more of like Central Asia, you know? So it's kind of like, I think that this just kind of kicks it off. So, I mean, the Shanghai Cooperation Organization, they just had their meeting. It was about a week and a half ago at this point, And it was held in Uzbekistan and Samarkand. So that is where this kind of episode will be going. We'll be talking about it a lot. So Erica, I guess, do you want to just give us like a little bit of like background, like on the SEO? Like we talked about it a little bit, like in our big like Alliance episode, but that was like a hot minute ago. And it was just like a really brief, like overview. Yeah. So just real quick, it was founded in 2001 and the member states of the Shanghai Cooperation Organization, SEO, are China, India, Kazakhstan. Kyrgyzstan, Russia, Pakistan, Tajikistan, and Uzbekistan. So a lot of stands. Mm -hmm. Um, Observer states interested in acceding to full membership include Afghanistan, Belarus, Iran, and Mongolia. And there are a few dialogue partners, which are Armenia, Azerbaijan, Cambodia, Nepal, Sri Lanka, and Turkey. Yeah. And I mean, it was like mainly focused on regional security issues, such as terrorism, like when they started out with it. But Yeah. I mean, it's like, it's a pretty interesting like group of actors. Cause like, you know, you're normally not seeing them like all together. So it's kind of interesting to see them all in like this one place now. Yes. Six out of all countries we just mentioned all end in Stan. So yes. And we stand that. Yes. We (laughs) we stand it. We stand it. Yeah. And I mean like a lot, like the stands, like normally like the stand countries, like they normally do kind of like move together. So, I mean, like, it's no surprise that like, there's a lot of them like within this organization. So, I mean, I don't know. It's kind of interesting to see just all of the actors together. Yes. It's clearly a very like East side kind of thing. Like definitely no Western countries really in this agreement. They're all on the other side. I don't know. Would they be considered Eastern or do you just, would you just say Asian? I'm leaning towards like Asian. Eastern. I would at least kind of, I, I mean, cause like some are like Middle Eastern, but it's like Central Asia. So, I mean, it's kind of like, I would just say like Eastern hemisphere, but yeah, I mean, overall it's pretty interesting just because I, it definitely does have like a really big, like Eastern focus. And we'll talk about it a little bit more later that it's starting to get a little bit more of a Western focus with like some UN institutions kind of like going and like, you know, wanting to be there like for these meetings and stuff. But we'll talk about that in a second. But yes, I just wanted to bring it up just because I think a lot of times, at least in the United States and over in the Western democracies, people analyze these cooperations and, you know, agreements and through the Western lens. And it's important to recognize that this is through an Eastern lens. So cultural, oh, absolutely. cultures, values, goals, 
are going to be slightly different because it's a different lens. So just a little PSA for everybody. And I mean, like, we're going to be talking about that later too, that it's just kind of like, it's really interesting because it kind of is starting, like it also like mirrors like Western institutions too. So it's, it's pretty interesting. Like we're definitely going to like break this down, but just kind of going into kind of like some of the little bit of like drama with this. So one of the big things that happens there is that India's prime minister Modi and Turkey's president Erdogan, they both like met together, which is like, it's been a minute and it was kind of like unexpected. So like people were a little shocked about it. So our first source it's really going into, and it was talking about that it was the first like big meeting between the two in over two years. And basically what happened to stop the little friendship and the relationship is that President Erdogan, so he made comments on the region of Kashmir, which if you guys don't know, Kashmir is a very contentious topic for Pakistan and India because both assert claims over the region, but neither like fully controls the region. So it's just kind of like this big debate of like, hey, no, that's our land. And they're like, no, that's our land. So it's just this big conflict between the two countries. And so- A good old border dispute. Yeah, absolutely. You know, like classic and like international relations. And the thing is though, it's like, once you have like a person that's like going against you talking about this, like they're probably not going to be like on your best friends list, you know? And so what happened was that Erdogan had made comments about it and which like he was saying that it was worsening, that the situation there was worsening. And the Indian government did not like that. They absolutely did not like that. And they went to the extent to where the Indian government had summoned the Turkish ambassador to India so that they could lodge a formal like diplomatic protest. Okay. Well, like, first of all, was it true? So, I mean, like objectively, I think that you can say that like the situation is always kind of like worsening, like as it goes on, because it's still not resolved. So like, it's only becoming like worse, you know, just because it's still not being resolved. So I think that it's kind of like a bit of a fair comment, but at the same time, it's like, you don't want your bestie like saying that though. Like, you don't want, it's like you going out, you just broke up with your boyfriend, you're out at the bar and like, you're messy, you know it. And like, it's a little complicated situation, but like, you definitely don't want like your bestie over there at the bar talking about like, oh yeah, like, you know, it's kind of like a rough time for homegirl over here. Like, absolutely not. Like, you don't want your bestie saying that about you. You don't want your friends saying that. So you're just like, mm-mm. Mm-mm, you should not I don't know, have said maybe, anything. Maybe she needed to hear it. I mean, if it wasn't getting any better, I'm just, I'm not defending Turkey. I'm just saying like, you're maybe, like, I'm not going to defend Turkey, but like, sometimes like you need to be a little blunt with your friends. But yeah. Like going into the metaphor you're using, like there's only so many times where you can be like, I support you before it's like, okay, I need to draw a line. And I'm just over here. Like, okay. India went a little crazy considering like, if I hear you, Erdogan but at the same a- time, it's like, you want your homegirl to air that out like at the pregame or something like you want her to like air that out like before you guys are like out at the bar you know like you don't want that being aired out at the bar like you don't want that aired out at the club you don't want that aired out like wherever y'all are going you don't want it there in public that's like a private kind of a conversation and I think that that's what India was really upset about that the Indian government was like Mm-mm. you should have that low-key talk with us not like you know just putting us on blast in front of everyone I mean, okay. I see where you're coming from. I see where India may be coming from. I don't know if I'm on that page yet because they, they could have said, 
they could have said, oh, it's getting worse. It's worsening and India needs to get it together and wrap this up like that. That is crossing the line. That's fair. But I mean, you know, (laughs) what came out of the summit is that the two were were talking again, Modi and Erdogan, they were talking. And basically what had happened at the summit is that trade was being heightened between the two countries after the Ukraine invasion. So it's kind of like forcing like the relationship a little bit because Turkey is buying more Indian wheat and India is buying more Turkish rice just to go and kind of like, you know, set off that trade imbalance, like that's stemming from the Ukraine invasion. So it's kind of interesting because you're starting to see these countries like come back together due to the Ukraine conflict, which is kind of crazy, but you know, friends in unlikely places, I guess. So was this like unrelated to the SCO summit? Was this just like a little kiki on the side for India? Yeah, it was just kind of like a kiki on the side. They were just like having their little fun, their little fun and fresh moment over there on the sidelines of the SCO. So, you know, India, India and Turkey, they were just kikiing over there off on the tangents, you know, just having a cute little bilat, you know, love that for them. And for those of y'all that don't know, a kiki just kind of like a cute little like fun, like conversation hangout sesh. And a bilat is just a bilateral meeting. So, you know, Kiki's bilats, Kiki's can also be multi-lats, I guess. But in this case, it's just a nice little bilateral. (laughs) So how does this relate to the SEO? So it relates to the SEO because it happened at the SEO. Like the SEO kind of like brought together like this meeting ground of like where they could meet, you know, because before it was just kind of like, no, like we're upset with each other. But this, it was kind of like, hey, here's a space now. Like now you guys can actually go and meet with each other. It's like seeing your like friend that you're no longer friends with at the bar and you're like, yeah, okay, I'm just going to go over them after I've had a couple of drinks. Yeah. Just going to go over and say hi. Yeah. They were just like, you know what? Like, we don't want to make it awkward. So like, we'll just go, we'll just like hash it out. Just kind of like talk to each other while we're here, you know, might as well. Like all of us, all of us girlies, we're just hanging out, just having a nice little fun summit. So we might as well just go and hang out. So a fun little Kiki happened between India and Turkey. I'm never going to stop saying Kiki, by the way, guys. Um, But what else (laughs) happened at the SCO summit? Okay. So then you're also seeing that President Xi Jinping was there. And for those of you that don't know, this is a giant deal because President Xi has not been out of China in a hot minute, basically like since the pandemic started. And so this is a really big deal because you're having one of the world leaders really step out of the stage and come out. And so first... So this wasn't actually like the first place because he he made a pit stop along the way, which is kind of like wild because like, I wouldn't have expected like this country to be the first on like Xi Jinping's list, like once he leaves the country, but he actually stopped in Kazakhstan beforehand. He stopped, he had a whole entourage with him, including Wang Yi, who was the Chinese foreign minister. Like everybody was like, she was like, we're bringing everybody with us. And so they all made a little pit stop in Kazakhstan. They have some cute little ceremonies for like cultural events. They toured a museum and they like signed some agreements talking about, hey, we're just going to deepen our cooperation with one another. And so that was a really big thing. But then Xi Jinping, his first big thing was the SCO. So he's stopping there and he is attending this meeting in Samarkand, Uzbekistan. And this is like, like I said, one of like the first times that President Xi has been out of China in years. So this is a really big moment. Okay, well, like, why did why did Xi Jinping go to Kazakhstan? Because he was like, this is the place to go. We really want, it's already on our way. So we're going to stop and we're going to go and make our relationship deeper. This is a big, like, ally to have right here because they're right on the border. So it kind of like, it, it makes sense. It's kind of like the U.S. and like Mexico. 
And so it's just kind of like, yeah, like you're right on the border. We're going to like be friends. We're going to like make this thing happen. Like, I wouldn't say that they're as close as like the U.S. and Canada, but like the U.S. and Mexico, I'd kind of say where they're like, you know, there's definitely like some disagreements there, but overall you're kind of like on the same page. And so that's kind of like where Kazakhstan is. And so China was like, hey, absolutely. We're going to stop here. Xi Jinping was like, land the plane. We're stopping in Kazakhstan. Fun so, little layover. Yeah, a little layover. Because I mean, it was literally less than a day. Like they had like flown there like in the morning and like by the end of the night, like they were gone. They were on their way to Uzbekistan. All right. Well, after President Xi Jinping's little layover in Kazakhstan, just for funsies and, you know, obviously being a world leader and all that, you know, yada, mm-hmm. yada. So a number of things were accomplished at the SEO after President Xi Jinping left Kazakhstan and went to Uzbekistan. And the documents that were accomplished include protecting international food and energy security, tackling climate change, a big one. You know us, mm-hmm. hot girls over here. We said hot girl summer. We want hot a green girl, girl green summer. summer. Yes, <laughs> green girl We want a green girl, girl year. Green girl, green girl fall. Oh my God, too many Gs. Yeah. But <laughs> anyways... <laughs> Then they talk, this article talks about how they accomplished keeping supply chains, and this is a direct quote, keeping supply chains secure, stable, and diversified. No more of the, what was it? The Suez Canal. No <laughs> yeah, more. No more. Like we are keeping our supply chains diversified. We are not yes. putting everything through one single canal. And then finally, a memorandum that had revised Iran's SCO membership obligation, which is like interesting that this, I, this happened like right before all the Iran stuff happened, right? Which we've got, Mm -hmm. we will make an episode for you guys. Yes. That that episode is going to be coming out next week. So don't you guys worry. We will be having that episode coming out fresh on Monday. But yeah. So did this happen right before the Iran protest started? Because I feel like with all of the news Iran's getting, that's got to impact their membership into the SEO because they're not a member yet. Yeah, it was a little wild. And then like, in addition to all of those things happening, and like, we're going to be touching on these in a minute too, just because we're going to be talking about the actual like declaration that was accomplished. So just kind of more like in depth about them. But there was also Belarus's accession procedure to the SEO that was started. You have memorandums of understanding granting Egypt, Saudi Arabia, and Qatar the status of dialogue partners. Then there was also an agreement being reached on admitting Bahrain, the Maldives, the United Arab Emirates, Kuwait, and Myanmar to become new dialogue partners. So basically there was a lot that was like happening at this meeting. And especially because, I mean, Erica, we were just talking about how there were only like eight member states. And it's like, now you have this, like, like this organization is like, it's booming in terms of how many dialogue partners, how many new partners are interested in, you know, being around or within somewhat in some capacity of this organization. Like, it's crazy. It's just like, it's exponentially growing at this point. So it's really interesting to see all of these new partners wanting to come on, whether it's just a dialogue partner, whether it's ascending to full-blown membership. It's really interesting to see. Yeah, and we will probably continue to see people adding. There's a few countries on this list that I'm, there's a few countries missing from this list that I'm kind of surprised by. I will Mm -hmm. admit that. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, sorry, Erica, not to cut you off, but there was a fun little kind of like tidbit there of like some some other drama. Because I mean, it's like you have Xi Jinping, he's like stepping out. He's like, this is my like coming out back into the world party. You had the besties, Turkey and India kind of like, you know, reuniting, becoming friends again. And then you also had a little bit of like drama there. So Erica, do you want to do you want to head us into the drama? So Mr. Vladimir Putin himself 
is quote humiliated again this time by the Kyrgyzstan president. And that is according to our source liveman.com. So there was a video circulated online by Anton Gurashenko, who is a Ukrainian official. And he tweeted, <laughs> I'm sorry, I haven't even read it yet, guys. I just the the tweet and then the yeah. title of the source. It's it's already okay. <laughs> so direct quote of this tweet. Putin was publicly humiliated again. Previously, Kremlin head used to make world leaders wait for him. Now president of Kyrgyzstan allows himself to be late for a meeting with Putin, unquote. Mm -hmm. And another comment said, quote, oh boy, when the president of Kyrgyzstan makes you wait, things are not well in paradise, unquote. Yeah. And I mean, like, if that's not kind of telling just because like President Putin, like he was already kind of like humiliated. I believe that it was in like a meeting like a month or two before this of where he was kind of like made to wait. And beforehand, like, you know, appearances so much in international politics. And Vladimir Putin is one of those people of where it really does matter how he's perceived and how he feels as though his image is. Like, it's very crafted. Like, you know, anecdotally, it's kind of like funny that you always talk about like, oh no, like Vladimir Putin, he's like shirtless, like in like the Russian woods, he's going to like fight a bear or something just like by himself. And it's like, you know, like propaganda wise, he's almost like propped up to be this like insanely like masculine, like very asserting figure. So it's like when you're seeing video evidence of like this man, like being forced to wait by presidents of countries that, you know, you wouldn't really necessarily think of real like power brokers within the international system. This does something for that image that is going to be kind of like influential in like how people are viewing him throughout the world. And especially with the Ukraine situation and Russia's invasion of Ukraine, it really shows kind of like where people are at with their relations with Vladimir Putin, with Russia in general. So I think that this just kind of like goes to show of like where Russia was really like sitting at within the SCO. Yeah, I mean, Kyrgyzstan met with Xi Jinping and then suddenly they're like, Putin can wait a second. He's yeah, fine. Like, oh, no, we're just going to run a minute late. And it's like, you know, whether that was like intentional, you know, you don't know. Sometimes like it, it, there's a lot of like moving components with these things, with these organizations, with all of these conferences, because like you're always meeting with someone. Someone's always meeting with someone else. Like, Erica, I mean, we did model UN. Like, of course, like you'd be like, yeah, here, like meet me here, like during the unmod. And then like someone would get like, oh, I'm just like, I got like caught up in conversation real quick. I'll be there in like 30 seconds. And it's like, you know, it wasn't necessarily like forced to be like, oh yeah, I'm going to make this person wait. And it's going to be a power move. Like sometimes it just happens, but it just so happens to have happened to Vladimir Putin, who was already in a pretty like vulnerable space in public discourse within the international sphere. I don't know. I mean, Putin has his reputation as it currently stands. We'll not be commenting on that any further, but mm -hmm. <laughs> Russia is still one of like the largest countries in the entire yeah. world and has a pretty hefty military. And Putin has shown that he is not afraid to use that military. So I don't know. I feel like, I mean, maybe it's just me being, you know, a person, an average person. If I was meeting with a world leader, <laughs> I would not be late. Um, <laughs> yeah. That yeah. was a certain leader of a certain country. I, I would not be late. And maybe Kyrgyzstan runs it a little differently. That's fine. Run your country how you see fit. Not going to step on your sovereignty. Not yeah. that I could. I mean, it's a little different for everyone. But I mean, it was just like a really interesting thing to know. Just because like there were so many just moving things. Like I said, like, you know, you had Turkey and India. They made up. You had Xi Jinping. It was the first. It was his like first little visit. And then you have like Vladimir Putin. He's like being forced to wait. It's just kind of like. There was so much going on at the summit. And then 
Erica, I guess let's just get into like what the actual Samarkand Declaration was. Like what was included in there? What was it talking about? Kind of like tell us some of that. And we know that this is going to be a little bit of like the longer portion of this episode, but it's important just because this is the document that came out of this. So while there's all this drama and all this kind of like messiness going on with like interpersonal relationships in the background and just geopolitics in general, this is what came out of the actual written document at the end of this whole organization conference. Yes. Barring the Kiki from India and Turkey and what I will know, what I will now note as Putin late. <laughs> The Samarkand Declaration of the Council of Heads of State of Shanghai Cooperation Organization that is from the Ministry of External Affairs of the Government of India. And it says the new approach to achieve economic goals and the 2030 agenda for sustainable development are needed. And so this document talks about how they, quote, reaffirm their commitment to a more representative, democratic, just, and multipolar world order based on the universally recognized principles of international law, multilateralism, equal, common, indivisible, comprehensive, and sustainable security, multicultural, and civilizational diversity, mutual benefit, and equal cooperation among states with a central coordinating role for the UN, unquote. That was really long. I'm so sorry for you guys. (laughs) And so that's just like one of like the things to like really note here is that like, you know, Erica, we were talking earlier about how there's a lot of like Eastern countries that are making this up. So you're going to, you know, kind of expect to see those norms shift a little bit. But I mean, I feel like this is almost something you would hear out of a Western institution, like out of like something that was super just like full blown, like Western democracies. They're talking about democracy, talking about things being more representative, talking about international law, multilateralism, you know, sustainable security, multicultural and civilizational diversity, equal cooperation. I mean, this is something that you would traditionally like associate with like, oh yeah, it must've been like some like Western country that wrote that. But these are all traditionally Eastern hemispheric states. So that's one of the things that I really wanted to like note about this is that like this organization, it's not only taking in like those like Eastern values of, you know, these states that are making up this organization that tend to be a bit more authoritarian, kind of like China or Iran or Russia, you know, you're seeing that they are talking about these norms and ideals that are traditionally associated with more Western states. Yes. I mean, all the long words aside, they could have maybe used a period or so to break up. That. <laughs> I'm just saying, but when I saw indivisible, I immediately was like indivisible and for justice for all. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're right. Uh, the civilizational diversity or multicultural and civilizational diversity equal cooperation. Like that's definitely something I would be hearing out of a Western cooperation. So it's very, the democratic one took me back a bit. Like if you guys were listening, if you go back and listen, you'll hear me like stutter a bit. Cause I'm like democratic. Wait, yeah. this can't be right. Representative. Yeah. I mean, that's why like, it's so interesting. Cause it's like, you really do like have to treat this organization just like any other that you would traditionally, just because it does have a lot of like the same like norms and values that it's talking about. So it's, it's really interesting to see that because I feel like you know, stereotypically people would not associate those words coming out of this institution, but you're seeing that they are coming out of this institution, which makes it, you know, I feel like a bit more validated throughout the international, you know, just crew of states that are there talking about things. Like you're seeing that like constructivist wise, like they are setting up norms. They are having like, you know, more similar identities to Western states. So this is something that is pretty interesting to see here because I feel like traditionally people would not necessarily associate the two together. 
Yes. It's definitely interesting to see. I will say I would be more interested to see it in action. So mm-hmm. I know it just came out a week and a half ago. I, I know it doesn't happen that fast Hunter, but yeah, when I see an action, that's when I'll be like jaw drop eyes pop. That's fair. That's fair. But yeah. So, I mean, traditionally this organization has been based on security. So it's no, it's no surprise to anybody that it talks about peace and security except it's also talking about economic relations and strengthening trade and humanitarian relations as well. It touches on environmentalism. It mentions terrorism, separatism, and extremism multiple times throughout the document. There's multiple clauses in there that are talking about these issues specifically. It brings up bridging the gap of digital literacy, which is something that I was like pretty happy to see within that. It brings up nominations for the United Nations Security Council, as well as the UN Human Rights Council, kind of like who they're nominating from like within the group to go and take on those positions. It raises the point about bringing down drug trafficking. It also stresses the importance of adhering to the Treaty on Non-Proliferation of Nuclear Weapons and, quote, draws attention to the negative impact of unilateral and unrestricted buildups of global missile defense systems. I was really not expecting to see that in this declaration. Like if you ask me one thing that like, I wasn't really expecting to see, I can say that that was by far one of the most unexpected pieces. I mean, yeah. Is China just going to like put away their nukes? Like, are they just going to keep them? Like, yeah. I mean, it's kind of interesting because, and then like, you know, it's just like, okay, that's pretty interesting to see. I mean, I don't know. I really would. I I just, I was not expecting that. And I mean, like China doesn't have nearly as many nukes as like Russia or the US, but I mean, like the fact that like Russia is here and like, they're talking about like, you know, stressing, like adhering to that, like the member states that are party to it. That's really interesting to me. I mean, yeah, I, I would, I don't think that in this climate, I'd be very surprised to see that Russia put away their nukes. That's why I'm like, not even (laughs) thought considering what's going on. Yeah. But did Russia agree to this? Like, did they sign off on this? Did everybody have to well, sign I mean, off that's on the this thing, though, to get is, it like, passed? The, decla- the declaration, like, it came out of the SEO. And I mean, like, Russia was there. So, like, I have a feeling that if Russia really didn't want this there, it wouldn't be in there. Because, I mean, like, at the end of the day, Russia is still a powerful actor within the system. So the fact that it is in there, you know, I think it may have, you know, either gotten past Russia or I don't know. But I think that it's interesting that we're seeing that in here in the first place. While continuing on with this document, it emphasizes the importance of the Convention on the Prohibition of the Development, Production, and Stockpiling of Bacteriological, also known as Biological, and Toxin Weapons, and on their destruction. Mm-hmm. Another unexpected piece in there. Yes. Like, I wasn't expecting that one either. Yes, and it stresses the importance to have an all-encompassing government in Afghanistan that includes representatives from all ethnic, religious, and political groups of Afghan society, which y'all know, like Afghanistan has been in the news. It's been a couple months, but it's, it's been in the news. So this is a interesting clause. And another thing that I like, wasn't expecting in there. Sorry. I just had to like point that out. Like so much of this, I was just like, really? Like I was not, I really was not expecting to see a lot of this content in there. We're renaming this document, the unexpected document for Hunter. (laughs) Pretty much. Yeah. (laughs) So another clause in there, and this is a direct quote, member states will continue the practice of sending SCO missions to observe presidential parliamentary elections and referendums. Observe for what, or unquote, 
And then my, my opinion, observe for what, like observe to see if they're upholding democratic or representative ideals, like they mentioned in the first clause. Yeah. And I mean, once again, that's something that you would see, like traditionally expect from like a Western institution, but they're putting it in here where there's, you know, traditionally Eastern states that are, you know, ruled by totalitarian slash authoritarian regimes, like China, like Russia, like Turkey. I mean, it's, it's really interesting to see. Yes. And another clause, the member states note with satisfaction, and this is a direct quote, guys, the adoption of decisions granting the kingdom of Bahrain, the Maldives, the state of Kuwait, the United Arab Emirates, and the Republic of the Union of Myanmar, the status of SCO dialogue partner. They noted the signing of memoranda on granting the status of SCO dialogue partner with the Arab Republic of Egypt, the kingdom of Saudi Arabia, and the state of Qatar. So we have some more member states as dialogue, well, not member states, we have more states as dialogue partners. The stands are no longer ruling all the member states. Yeah. Um, they're not ruling the majority anymore. Yeah, there are also a couple other states in there. And I mean, like, that's a lot of like additional characters that you're throwing into the mix here. Like that's that's a lot that are just coming onto the scene. They're just like joining onto the organization, whether that's a dialogue partner, whether that is like a full-blown member. In this case, it is dialogue partners. It's just, there's a lot of interest from countries within the region that are really wanting to start engaging with this institution. And quick sidebar, unrelated to anything we literally just said, the, I did not know that Myanmar name was that long, Republic of the Union of Myanmar. And if you just look at the capitalized letters, R-U-M, it spells out rum. That's all. Thank you for that, Erica. <laughs> Andre's like so so done with me but that's okay we needed a little quick fun break a little kiki if you will because oh, this is a lot of information <laughs> yeah so i kind of just like going past that you know it also stresses further cooperation on industry sustainable development and energy and then specifically renewable energy talks about you know in strengthening healthcare systems to be able to prevent another possible pandemic by future initiatives such as supporting the WHO even more than they do right now, or having mobile laboratories to use in the event of an epidemiological emergency. And then also one big thing in there, they were talking about tourism. They really want to increase tourism with like the wonders of the world, with like a bunch of events that they're like having, like kind of interesting, you know, just like, okay, well, we really covered our bases here. We talked about peace and security. We talked about democratic institutions. We talked about, you know, sending organizations or sending members to go and watch like elections talking about nuclear the nuclear treaties like you know and then we're going into tourism like this document really covers kind of like a broad spectrum of things which is like just crazy to think about of how many there are i think it's great that they want to bring in tourism especially after the world kind of like basically stopped and was on hold for two years like nobody mm -hmm. was traveling nobody was nobody was out there and now the seo wants to capitalize on people wanting to get out of get out of their homes basically and go and travel and their economies really need that. We need to capitalize on the economic revenue from tourism and it can just increase the global market as a whole for all the countries engaging in the tourism. Absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, I think that it's like, it's super interesting though, just because like I said, it's just such like a broad spectrum and like, just to keep on going on that broad spectrum. So we're just going to finish out with like two clauses. So I'll read the first one, Erica, you can get the second one. So clause number 114, 
quote, the member states supporting the proposal of the Republic of Tajikistan to declare 2025 as the International Year for the Preservation of Glaciers, note the initiative to establish an international fund for the protection of glaciers through the adoption of a UN General Assembly resolution. So like we've gone everywhere. We've gone to tourism. We've gone to like nuclear proliferation. We've gone from like biological weapons to like peace and security from like terrorist organizations to like election monitoring to sustainable energy. Like, and now we're at glaciers. Like there's so much, there's so much going on here. So Erica, if you want, if you want to just go and read the next one, like, we'll just see like how back to back it is. And mind you, the clause that I just read was 114 and Erica here you yes. are with clause 116. Clause 116. Just two away. Just, just one in between them. Direct quote, clause 116, member states noted initiatives to adopt the UN General Assembly resolutions declaring in quote, in the quote, International Day for Disarmament and Non-Proliferation Education and a decade of action for mountain development, unquote, in the quote, but still in the clause quote. In 2023 and 2027, the Kurz Republic, as well as an international year of mobilizing volunteers for development, and that was from the Republic of Kazakhstan. Yeah. So, I mean, just within that quote, like just within that one clause, we've gone from the International Day for Disarmament and Nonproliferation Education to the Decade of Action for Mountain Development, and then going from the International Year of Mobilizing Volunteers for Development. Like, it's kind of all over, all over the place. This document has covered so much. And like this one clause in particular has just gone all over the place. Like we're going to hit glaciers. We're going to hit mountains. We're going to hit yeah. nukes. We're going to hit education. We're talking about everything today. We're going to hit tourism. <laughs> like I'm telling you, you guys, like when we go and like put up like the tags for the episode of like what the episode talked about, like this episode talks about so much. It's going to fit into like almost every single tag that we have. It's insane, but here we are. And just remember all of the countries that we mentioned that were a part of this, like they pretty much all had to agree on this cooperation. So this many broad topics that is mm-hmm. in this one singular document. It almost feels like UN. It almost yes. feels like Model UN because it's, it's like- crazy. Whenever you, like, for those of you that didn't do Model UN, like by the time you get done with like a resolution, there is so much different stuff in there that like you did not even think that like you would throw in there, but- you do just so someone else will sign on to it just so they can get their little piece of the pie. And so they could be all happy at the end of the day. Like, yeah, I got this done. This was like my one big initiative. And it's like, okay, well that doesn't relate to anything that the other person's initiative was, but it's like, you throw them all together and you put it in one giant document and here you are. And like, this is almost what that feels like. <laughs> it just like feels a almost smorgasbord. like smorgasbord yeah, of, you can pick something off of this and just pick a random clause. And it's nine times out of 10, not going to relate to like the next one, like, you know, 20 away from it. Yes, absolutely. So finishing out this source, just real quick, India will be the next, will be the president for the next year. And the meeting will be had held in 2023 in India. So big things to come in 2023, you mm-hmm. know, we're going to have to do another episode right after. Absolutely. Yeah, it's we've got another out, year. But... We've got a year. So we've got some time for, you know, the SCO to kind of like make good on some of its initiatives, talk about, hey, did they accomplish this? Did they not accomplish this? Like what's going on now? Like, are there any more like kikis on the side that like we're going to be like looking out for? Like what's going on here? So now that we've got y'all updated for this year, for next year, y'all are good. We're going to be going in there with some background knowledge. 
Yes. So just to finish out this episode real quick, me and Hunter will have our own little Kiki just talking about the SEO. You know, I'm really curious to see if the United States is going to want to dip their hands into this pot. Yeah. I mean, it's really interesting because I mean, like technically like, you know, the U S could go and kind of be like a dialogue partner or something, just kind of like on like the periphery, just sitting on the outside, or even just as like an observer state, just kind of like how some, you know, like there there's observer states at the UN, you can have observer states here. So I think that it would be really interesting. And I mean, just judging based on like how institutions tend to go without the U S's involvement in them. I can kind of see why the U.S. might want to become more involved in this. It's kind of like why China is like not an Arctic state, is an observer state for like the Arctic Council, because it's like, no, 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 no. Like, we still want like our voice to be somewhat heard. So we're still going to like go to all the meetings and everything. Like, we can't vote on the stuff, but we're still going to be there. So in my mind, it would make sense for like the U.S. to like want to be like part of like this organization, whether it is just like in an observer capacity or what. It, It like it wouldn't make sense for me to see to have the U.S. just say like no flat out like that to me like wouldn't make like strategic sense for the U.S. especially like given it's like security interest in East Asia in Asia in general like that to me like wouldn't make any sense so I could definitely see the U.S. wanting to become involved in this in some capacity. I think that if the United States were to get involved it would probably be through one of their allies or our allies I should say we're literally based in the United States but Mm -hmm. um I think they would want to utilize Japan or maybe Australia to kind of, I don't want to say infiltrate, but to make that distinction since they are located in that area of where most of these member states are. Yeah. Or I mean, even going more through like India too, just because India is, you know, a U.S. kind of an ally, like they're included in the quad or Turkey who's included in NATO, they're there as well. So I think that it would be really interesting to kind of see like, is the U.S. going to, you know, kind of like be involved by proxy or is it actually going to involve itself just like plain, plain old, just like America's coming in. We're sitting there in the like the observation deck. We're going to hang out. We'll talk to some people on the sidelines or if it's just going to be more of a proxy thing, like I said, like through India, through Turkey, through a different, you know, actor that the U.S. has pretty close ties with over there. Yes, it will be interesting to see, especially with India being the next president for next year. Um, And Mm -hmm. we will just have to wait and see on these, you know, these subjects that were discussed in the memorandum, see if they make good, like you mentioned earlier, see if there's any more kikis down the line, Mm -hmm. see if any more people try to come and join. Um, But I think that's about it for this episode, unless Hunter, you have something else to add. Nope. I think that that's it. I think we covered a lot of material. So like we always say, if you guys have like any other questions or anything about this, like, please like feel free to reach out, contact us on the website, on any of our socials, like, please feel free. We love answering these questions. Like, I mean, that's why we're here. That's why we make the pod is so we can better inform you guys of what's going on in the world. Yes. Well, thanks so much for listening. Thanks so much, Hunter, for you know, you bring you so much passion to this topic, you and China, just besties, you know, I mean, you know, it's not like, it's like what I study or anything. So yeah, just just a little bit. All right. Well, thank you everybody. And I hope you have, we hope you have a great rest of your day, whatever time you're listening to, to this at or night, and we'll see you next week. Absolutely. See you guys next Monday for that episode on Iran. We will be talking about the protests that are going on there, kind of how the situation has evolved, where it came from, All of that interesting stuff we'll be talking about on our episode next week. So definitely feel free to drop us a follow, drop us a subscribe, 
like, rate the podcast, and we'll see you guys next Monday. Bye. Bye. Cute. Can we stop recording? No. <laughs> <laughs>